You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Today we got with us a special guest. He's a Persian doughboy. He was a former basketball coach at Osborne. But if you're really a sports fan, you know him as Champ from Detroit, who challenges Stephen A. Smith almost daily on his radio show. Over the years, it's been speculated who Champ from Detroit was. And he was and he and it was finally revealed when Stephen A. brought him in the studio last week. Welcome to the show. What's up? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. You know, you you champ from Detroit, like you're champ from Detroit, (laughs) you know. Well, that's kind of crazy. It just came about on, you know, how Stephen A. just started saying champ from Detroit. But um, I appreciate, you know, you bringing me on the show today. And, you know, we go kick it. Okay, as we usually do. All the time. All the time. So tell us about the story about how you um, ended up on Stephen A's set last week and what went into that. Well, for starters, Stephen A, uh, Stephen A, um, he and I got a great relationship. You know, we both love sports and we respect each other. So it was kind of like sudden. I didn't even expect it. I really didn't. Okay. So. It wasn't that I wasn't prepared, but, you know, when we get to talking sports, you know, everybody has their opinions and their perspective on different things. And, you know, I could be animated sometimes and sometimes I could be chill, you know, depending on what the topic is. So it all depends on what's going on at the time. I mean, that's how sports fans are, though. True. I mean, we, we like that. Like some days I'm real chill with it. But other days I want to throw my phone at the TV. You Correct. know, yep. you know, that's just how sports fans are. Yeah. So. um. When did you meet Stephen A? And you, you mentioned earlier about your friendship. So how did it develop, and how long has it been? It's been over. Uh, it's been over ten years, definitely. Well, here's here's the thing. About two thousand and four or five, you know, I met Rob Parker. Okay. Um, and he had a radio show, Parker and the Man, with Mark Wilson, and we were talking sports, and he invited me on the show one day. Okay. And threw me on the air. I'm like, whoa, like, this this is not what I want to do. Okay. And we were just talking sports. And then he invited me back on and so forth like that. So the Pistons was in a run, a championship run. It was going to the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals and so forth like that. So he invited me back on, and I ended up being a normal fill-in for him. So it was like it was a natural for me because I've been talking sports since I was in the second and third grade. Right. So it was it was nothing like – me trying to be something different. It's just what I do. And, you know, I've always had a strong opinion of whatever I believed in. I stuck stuck to my guns. That was it. So back in the beginning of the 2007-2008 season, um, the Parker and the Man Show moved to the, um, I think, uh, JLB, I mean, uh, 105.9. Right. Right, WCHB on the, uh, the 1200 station. So Stephen A was working with Fox. And... Mark Wilson, myself, and Stephen A. did a 
two-hour show together. Okay. And it was crazy because um, the topic was the predictions of the 2007-2008 season. And that was when Ray Allen and um, Kevin Garnett were traded and, you know, to the Boston Celtics. The big three. Right. It was the original, quote-unquote, big three. Right. Uh, well, not the original big three because I, I look at big three and super teams as totally different. So Stephen A. had picked the Detroit Pistons. And I told everybody on the show that day that it was a lock that the Boston Celtics will win the NBA championship. And I was adamant about it. And, you know, I broke it down that Kevin Garnett now has a team where defensively I thought thought he was better than Tim Duncan in terms of the high pick and roll. And that would be the difference in the in the regular season and the playoffs. And they ultimately, you know, Duncan lost in the conference finals to the Lakers with Kobe Bryant, and then we all know what happened. The Boston Celtics dismantled the Lakers in two thousand eight. Okay. So fast forward in Vegas, I saw him again with a mutual friend and it was real. So organically the relationship became real and and that's been, that's been about it. So I'm a big fan of his. I respect his grind. Right. I respect the work he's put in and he's earned his position in the industry. I think he's the best in the business. No question about it. If we being honest, yeah, I'm about the only one that can really hang with him. I mean, and and that is true. I mean, I mean, I've watched as I've seen you post stuff on your on your page, right? And you give it to Stephen A. You know what I mean? And you come with it with an intelligent counter argument or argument or whatever of whatever the situation is. Right. I mean, like I said. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, and we can we go we go get off into the basketball piece, yeah, the, the NFL or whatever. Um, for me, my angle has always been about we can talk analytical talk, we can talk from a a columnist standpoint, you know, and I call that a panelist, and then we can talk the actual game. And a lot of folks that's on television now, they don't really, in my opinion, know the game from a player and coach standpoint to really break the game down to the point where, okay, because you're being loud or because you're reading a sheet of paper doesn't mean you're right about the game. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense because there is understanding the game from top to bottom as a player or, and as a, from a coaching perspective. Right. And then there is giving quick sound bites that sound good to people that are watching the show. Well, that's for ratings, and I understand that. Right. And I understand it. I mean, obviously, if I was on a platform like Fox Sports 1 or First Take ESPN and stuff like that, I mean, you have to get ratings. Yeah. So it's cute. It's cute to say LeBron James is the best player ever because you have to to build the show. Right. But I'm a historian, uh, and unfortunately for me, you know, I have family in their late 70s, and my grandfather who passed away a, a year and a half ago. Uh, taught me a lot about the game. So I know about the guys, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, um, Oscar Robinson, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. So obviously I didn't see them, but my respect for my grandfather and how he talks about the game from yesterday to, you know, back in the day. And now I can respect and understand why he always felt Wilt Chamberlain was the greatest player of all time. And he never left that position. So when you when you start going around different cities and having conversations in barbershops and talk to different people, 
It comes down to this. Your era, who was who you looked up to as a child, and a lot of people stay right there. Absolutely. They never move from that position. Yeah. And it's a very select few that can remove themselves from their childhood and talk who's the best. Ver- overall. In, overall. Right. Right. So you have your favorites, and then you have who you feel. Then you have who's the best. And I got a, I got a list of different best players and who I think is the greatest of all time, and it's my opinion. Right. And it's all fluid. I mean, because what I believe is my best five or best 10 or best 15 um, could be different from yours. And none of them are wrong because most of them, they are great. Now, don't tell me that, you know, Isaiah Thomas that played for the Boston Celtics is one of the greatest that ever played. But if you're if you're talking about some of the best little people who played the game, now maybe we could have a conversation about that. I don't necessarily put him in my top five or ten of that. No. But but you could you could throw him in the argument and we'd have to discuss that. You can. See, for for me, when we, when you're talking greatness, I'm just gonna stick to basketball for for a second. When you talk about Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, Bill Russell, Moses Malone, David Robinson, just to name a few guys as far as bigs, they all, at their best, have tremendous numbers. So you have to remove the number talk, right? And now it comes down to the eye test yep. in the moments. Yep. So obviously we didn't see Will Chamberlain play. We saw a little bit of Kareem. But Will Chamberlain's been deceased since 1999. So the mass media has just basically threw him to the shelves. Right. And let's not talk about him. And let's just keep moving him down and discredit what he accomplished as an individual player. Right. My issue is not with the individual player. It's with the media in terms of, how they changed the narrative to fit the story. Absolutely. For example, Stephen A. and everybody knows that I don't, LeBron James is not in my top 10 of all time. That's not an indictment to LeBron James as a basketball player. I think he's a great talent, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But my 10 is my 10. And I'm not saying he cannot get there, but what is the standard? So, for example, if you've been telling everybody that he makes every round, everybody around him better or he's a walking triple-double, but he's never averaged a double-double in his career, based on the facts, that's a lie. If we having the sheet of paper conversation. So if we having the sheet of paper conversation, Russell Westbrook is a walking triple-double. Correct. And statistically, he's been the best basketball player the last three seasons in the NBA. If that's the conversation sure. in terms of when you use the term all around, you hear that in the media, all-around ball player. You hear the best two-way player. So if you think Kawhi Leonard is the best two-way player. I'm going to stop you as a two-way player. Go ahead. You're supposed to play on both sides of the floor. Correct. So that that term drives me nuts. You're supposed to play on both sides of the ball. Now, you go ahead. No, nah, I'm with you. But I'm talking about the terminology for the, Absolutely. For the casual fan who does not know basketball. They start to repeat that. Like, for example, when I was a little younger, the conversation was Shaq was the most dominant, Kobe's the best. Okay, so what are you saying? But I want to go back to that. Kobe Bryant 
all defense, uh, first team all NBA, has the most combined in the history of the NBA. So based on what you all say, Kobe Bryant's the best player ever. So how is you got him ranked number 12? If that's the criteria that you put out there. So I look for consistency across the board from folks. And listen, one thing about this, you're never going to always be right. And to me, I take pride in saying I'm wrong. I do. Yeah. And it's okay to be wrong. You could be wrong about a prediction. You could be wrong about what you feel a player is going to end up becoming. But at the same time, if you're not man enough to do that, it's I have an issue with that. That's why I put Stephen A. on a high level in the business because one thing about him, he's not afraid to say when he's wrong. Right. And I respect that. Right. All right. So let's get back to, to sort of what we were talking about. Um, earlier this week, you were featured in the Shadow League. They did a story on you. Right. How did that feel for you? And do you feel a sense of a newfound celebrity? Uh, No. Okay. And, I, and I tell you why, because I don't, I don't believe there's a such thing as a celebrity to me. Okay, honest, that's honest fair. to God, I don't. Um, that's probably why I can approach players and quote unquote celebrities with no issue because it, it doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I respect the profession or whatever they're doing. You know, like I had a conversation with Michael Wilbon. It was like I was knowing him for twenty years. It was just easy. And uh, Jamal K. Gamble actually. He was one of the fill-ins with Rob Parker as well. He's with the Shadow League. He actually did the article on his own. Oh, he didn't right. call me, do, do nothing. I mean, I had folks telling me that he put this article out because he's interviewed me a few times for the Shadow League, but he's never had a personal article written on me. Sure. So I was very humbled by it. I mean, this whole experience is very humbling because, to be honest, contrary to what people may think about me, I'm really a laid-back cat. I'm very adamant when talking sports. I run my mouth with talking sports, but that's about it. Other than that, I'm really chill. And, you know, I have my favorites, just like anybody else. Yeah. But I'm, but my opinions, for whatever reason, is strong. Of like, course. I don't know why. Like, but, but, well, if you're a ball player, you know what I mean? Right. You're going to have strong opinions. True. About the game. You know what I mean? And, and, it's, and it's this. This is one thing that Rob Parker told me. Long time ago, Rob said, "If you ain't got something to say that that brings emotion to people, then you shouldn't write it." That's real. That's real. And that's how that's how Rob approaches his job. Right. I have to make an opinion, and that opinion that I bring to the table has to make you feel one way or another. Rob is one of the pioneers, definitely, and he does an outstanding job with Fox. And when he was here, he, he had the number one show, so. Rob is definitely a pioneer in the business, and I respect him as well. I just say this: as we, you know, talking about, we've been talking about Stephen A. and then the NBA, but in just sports, period. You th you think about this. I want you to really hear me out when I say this about what we're talking about: the realness of sports and entertainment and having these conversations just started. With first take, it was cold piece at first with Skip Bayless and uh, Woody Page, but we've been having barbershop talk since we was a, since I was a kid and when you were a child as well. So this is our lane. It's like you know we haven't really, really started talking about players or nothing like that. We just kicking it, 
Right. And that's really what it is. So when I told Stephen A on the show, it was like riding a bike. It was it really it really is. It wasn't no arrogance to it. It's just that the way it was set up, some people's like, oh, you was nervous. No, I wasn't. It's just that he was asking me and I just couldn't go with my flow. Now I'm in a flow right now. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. We, we got the camera going right now. It's the same thing. Right. It's no big deal. Right. And so, and I'll tell you the same thing. Um, the reason why I ended, ended in the world of journalism was because when I was in high school, I wrote for the school paper. Right. And Perry Watson saw my stories. Sweet. Perry Watson went and told my dad, when I read your son's stories, it's like reading a real newspaper. He said, your son has a talent. That is much better than everybody uh, everybody else that I read because all of the newspapers in town were going to the, all the schools. Right. And because it was P-Dub, I took it serious. Well, I always remember this. Influence. The world is based on not what you know. It's about who know you. Absolutely. You can know them, but if they, don't, if they don't know you, it doesn't matter. Like, for example, if you having a birthday party and it's a line with, 2,000 folks outside, and I, they say, champ, and you say, champ, who? I'm not getting in. But right. if you know exactly who I am, I'm cutting through the line and going all the way to the top, right. bottles on you. Right. So, that I mean, that was pretty cool. Right. I mean, like I said, everyone needs an opportunity. And then once you, what happens when you get it? You got to take it. You have to take it. You know, but that comes from being a ball player, too. The only thing you can tr- control is when the coach puts you in the game. When coach puts you in the game, you got to deliver something. No question. And some people don't have big opportunities. You have that one little window, hey, and you hey, have to make it happen. I wasn't a starter. So when I got on the floor, I got to do something to make coach notice me. I got to get a steal. I got to make a shot. I got to make some fouls. I gotta, I, sometimes I got to do something dumb <laughs> just so the coach will notice me. That's pretty cool. I mean, i, I tell you a story. My junior year, we're going into my junior year, playing in a summer league. He puts me in the game. I'm D'ing up against a guy. Guy mad because we beating him by 20. Guy got mad. He shoved me. I shoved him back. He shoved me again. I threw a right hand at him. Referee blows whistle. We get kicked out of the game. After the game, coach would, as, as, as coaches normally do, they they – Talk about mm-hmm. what happened in the game. Right. He said, because I, you know, I was, I was like, man, I, I done got taken out the game and all this other stuff. Like, I got kicked out. Coach going to be mad. After the game, he was like, Nick, you showed me something today. You showed me you tough. He's like, that's the kind of, these are the kind of people I want on my team. Right. Like, he was willing to, and mind you, I didn't play a whole lot. But I made an impression on him real quickly because he was like, yo, a lot of y'all guys played a whole lot of minutes. But in them five minutes that Nick played, he showed me something. Right. So that's 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 what that's what we do. You know? Yeah. I'm Listen, man. One thing about sports. Give me the guy that play hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and always remember skills pay the bills. Yeah. Hard and tough. Oh, no question. Toughness. No question. Internal toughness, too, because it's more than just physical toughness. You know, I got my friends, my inner circle, they always joke because my high school career sucked, you know. But I could actually play. But you never, even on Facebook, I never talk about that. Yeah. But it's one thing 
universally recognized. And you could go, you could talk to Antonio Gates, you could call Rashad Phillips, Jermaine Jackson, the rest. You're not punking me. Yeah. And 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 guess what? I don't know nobody who defensively, I can stay in front of anybody in the country. You know, but I really don't get off into that because again, it didn't work, it didn't work out for me. So I don't have those conversations. But like I said, even in saying all that, when when people say a scrub, NBA players today are so sensitive to the fact we're not comparing you to the college guy, right. the high school guy. Right. On the NBA level, what are you? That's all we're saying. Right. So, again, like the, the normal topic is the what, the Mount Rushmore and who's the top ten. Right. And and I and I break that down to you whenever you're ready on who – Who's my top five and why? Right. And I'll break it down. And so how did you sort of develop your insight on the game? I know you mentioned your granddad and your 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 people telling you about um the greats of the game. Right. Um I mean, was it was it Johnny G? Was it from coaching? Or what is it that developed your analytical skills to be able to discuss whatever the topic is of the day? Well, when I was in elementary school, uh, I had a teacher, teachers that was, they love sports. And when you were in elementary school, I was playing Little League football, right? So Little League football team with the Eastside Cowboys. That's why I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan because when I was a kid, I was playing for the Cowboys. We had to start. So naturally, you're a Cowboy fan. Right, right. And at that time, Magic was playing with the Lakers, so that's how I became a Laker fan. So, I'm not a bandwagon guy. So they would um I would talk to them about the games and who I would predict, you know, cuz one teacher went to Michigan State and you know, we we we, we kids, so we like cool things. The Michigan helmet, we roll with them. Right. And then they were teaching us about Notre Dame and what kind of school it was and they would start bringing newspapers in. So I would start reading newspaper, the sports section every single day. From the third grade on up, I would get the paper. Even when I was in middle school and high school, I would get the paper every morning. And my mother would joke and say, "You all, that's all you read is the sports section. I said, well, it's still reading, you know. Right. So I'm just, honestly, I remember moments where, like yesterday, I'm watching the World Series, and this the, the Google babies can't have this conversation. I say this remind me of the ninety one World Series, right? With Curry Puckett, and the one guy said, "You was watching baseball back then." Like I remember that. Like I remember the Blue Jays before the strike season. They was on pace to win three in a row. Yeah. I mean, Larry Walker yeah. and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. was on pace for seventy home runs before the short season. I mean, the lockout. I mean, the, the uh, strike season. The strike 94. season. Yeah. So that's not something I had to Google. I remember it. Right. Like that's the point of when talking sports. Like, when you sit down and do your research, that's cool. I'm not knocking the individual. I get it. Like, like, and I sometimes sit back and I do research and just study it because I love the game so much. Like in football, it's amazing to me that certain conversations are not said on television. Like, they like to love to discredit Peyton Manning and say he's the biggest, like, regular season quarterback of all time and he chokes in the playoffs and my question to everybody who makes this statement, it's been 53 Super Bowls. How many times has a Dome team won a Super Bowl there? 
Just off the off the cuff. Two, maybe? Three. Right. Ain't 99 Rams, 06 Colts, 2009 Saints. Yeah. Here's another one. There's never been a dome team in the history of football to win an AFC or NFC title game outside. Yeah. So right then and there, and then when you start talking about head coaches, how many Super Bowls a guy won with his first head coach, if they ever won multiple Super Bowls after that, the number shrinks over that. So to me, Peyton won in all different scenarios and, and stuff like that, and they don't talk about it. And I get it. But again, what I'm basically what I'm saying is when it comes to me, I'm not saying I'm better than the next guy, but I try to not have the surface talk. I think 99% of the conversation that you have in sports is the surface talk where they can't dig deep. Like, let's talk about why the Golden State Warriors are struggling offensively, defensively, from an age standpoint. Let's talk about why Dallas beat the Miami Heat in 2011. Let's talk about how Rick Carlisle made sure his team got a half court and made LeBron James play half court basketball. And then Popovich did the same exact thing and they limited him. And let's talk about Golden State said, we're going to trade threes for twos and let James Harden and LeBron average 35, 14 and seven or whatever the case it may be. But we go give you that because our threes are better than your twos. But the media only focus on the one part because that's the surface because they can't really talk about the actual game of basketball. Right. And that's what cringes me to the point where I think that's that's how Stephen A. and our relationship grew because I'm adamant about that. Not saying not to disrespect anybody in the business. I'm more adamant. We need more folks talking about that versus just only the surface conversation. Covering the game and knowing the game it's two different conversations. Absolutely. It's two different conversations. Oh, absolutely. But the folks that cover the game stick their chest out as if they know the game. And I don't that that triggers me in a lot of basketball players, ba- football players, athletes. It has nothing to do with playing in the NBA or college or anything like that. It's just basically we want that part of the conversation to be brought up. That's all. Yeah. I mean I'm in the industry, and that's what frustrates me about it. Is that the people I respect who, that are, are that the people that are covering the game, they don't understand the game. And I'm gonna give you a scenario. If I was covering U of M basketball when Bakari was there, right? Do you really think that me and Bakari wouldn't sit down and watch film? You should. We definitely would. Right. So that. When I begin to ask questions about what's going on, I have an understanding, a full understanding of what of what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, what their what their scheme is and all of that stuff. And that's just because of my relationship with with B.A. Right. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like clearly I love basketball. Right. But. If we sat down and watched film, it wouldn't be, I'm watching film with a reporter. Oh, my God. He's going, no, this is Darren and Bakari. We sitting down. We're going we gonna, to first, we're going to Big Monday. We're going to come over to the crib, watch Big Monday. And then 11, 12 o'clock, let's watch a little film. Then I leave at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's it. Right. But most reporters are just reporters. It's nothing wrong with that, though. 
Honest, honestly, I'm, 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 I'm being serious when I say this. It's nothing wrong with being a reporter. Oh, absolutely. It's nothing wrong with being a panelist. The problem is when you're challenged at that position and you don't know, you're, you're not able to defer. Like, I love tennis. I think Rafael Nadal is the best ever to me. But when they start talking about the outs, the ins and outs of the game and how to make this point, I can't have that conversation. Absolutely. You know, if you like when you start talking team sports, let's use team sports, for example, baseball. So I tell people you have to take in count the numbers in baseball because it's you against the ball. Right. And not the individual. Right. Football. It's hard for me to sit up here and say just because you are six time Super Bowl champion, four what four time league, I mean a Super Bowl MVP, you automatically is the best quarterback of all time because you don't play defense. You only play one side of the ball. Right. Now, are you one of the all time greats? No question about. It. But it's more that goes into that in those two sports because of the dynamics. It's not the same. Basketball is the most unique team sport in all the sports because it's an individual team sport. Yeah. A player can impact on both sides of the court as well as from a mental standpoint, he can impact the game. It's all three levels. So when I've been I've been watching Magic Johnson from a from a starter standpoint is the only player in the history of basketball, and correct me if I'm wrong when I say this, can dominate the game of basketball without attempting a shot. It's the only one. It's been times where he's had 20 assists, 10, 12 rebounds, and zero points in a basketball game. And I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I'm I'm real close to what I'm saying. So when folks compare Magic and LeBron, I disagree because – there's really one Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson can walk on the court and impact a game better than anybody in terms of not attempting a shot. So that's he's different in that regard. You know, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, <clears throat> I call them the closers, um, facilitators versus killers. If I build a team around Kobe and I build a team around Michael Jordan and I build a team around Magic and I build a team around LeBron, to my championship caliber teams, Kobe and Mike go come out on top every time. Yeah, absolutely. That, so that's how I just look at it. Okay. So before we get more into the stuff that we we love to talk about, tell us about you. What is it that you like to do? Tell people that, that only know <laughs> Champ from Detroit who you really are. Because you said you already said you're a chill guy, which I can attest to. I mean, I love chill. sports. Love, obviously, you love sports. So, but what else is it about you that, that, that people don't know? Uh, I definitely love sports. I love movies. Okay. Love movies. Okay. Love them. I love quoting movie quotes and stuff like that. And um, so every— Hip-hop. I love music. Okay. Definitely love music. Okay. Um, am I a hip-hop head like some of my friends? No. Okay. But I, Fair. But I love it in terms of 
the history of it. Like, you know, I think Notorious Big is the greatest MC of all time. Uh, some friends think it's Rakim, Tupac, Kanye West, and stuff like that. And it's cool. I like Biggie. Okay. So um, I think Prince is the greatest musician ever. You know, I, I think Michael Jackson is the greatest entertainer ever. You know, so um, I like old school. My grandfather was part of the Undisputed Truth. Um, so. Okay. It's. I like um, traveling. I love palm trees. Eventually one day, California will be home for, for good. Um, that's the plan. Um, I love cars. Yeah. Okay. And then real quickly, what's next for you? Um, what would you, where would you like to use your platform? You go, you go laugh when I say this. I'm really focused on something else. You know, um, I was blessed to meet an individual, um, with this technology and I think it's going to change the world. Okay. And I've been blessed to be a part of it now, and I hope to see it through. And that's the plan. Okay. Um, will I entertain a podcast or a radio show or, you know, something like First Take? I have no problem with it. But, you know, I'm humbled by the folks that say I will do great at it. Like People yourself. like me. Yeah, and I respect that, you know. Um, but if given the opportunity, the right opportunity, I take full advantage of it. Absolutely. And I just don't want to do a show. I want to do the show. More so like a round table where we kicking it and no one's being above the freight. Like we can have a real conversation. Like we can have a real conversation where you're not really focused on your brand and what what folks really I want to get into the inner soul of the player. Like I would have loved I would love to have interviewed Kevin Durant. Right. Because I just would have just straight up asked him. I said, in all seriousness, uh, KD. I think you are the most talented basketball player in the history of the game. I don't think there's no player that's ever been that talented of a player. Like, he's a walking, like, he's like 2K. When you create the player, like the kid that get mad that can't win no more, he puts 99 and make a seven-foot player on all 99s. That's Kevin Durant. <laughs> right. Am I saying his career is better than Michael Jordan? Is he tougher than MJ? Is he tougher than Kobe? That's not what I'm saying. I'm strictly talking about these eyes. Right. You cannot duplicate that. Right. Right. Like you just can't. He's just too good for no reason. Like, KD is that good. You know, no, like, I don't care. Like, you got guys that make him play longer and stay healthier, but you cannot tell me a better basketball player than Kevin Durant that ever played basketball. I don't care what you say. I'm talking about in terms of the ability. The The name of the game is to put the ball in, in the, the hoop. Right. And he's he's unreal Okay, to me. All right. I didn't say he was better than Jordan in terms of the player on the court. I'm talking about the talent. Well, we about to get into that. Okay. Because you led me into what we're going to do. We're going to have a little fun as we All normally right. do. Like I'm used to, you know, having different kind of people on the show, right? Right. Um, where I'm always asking questions, you know, about serious stuff all the time. Okay. So so now we can have a little bit of fun. That's fine. So give me your greatest of all time. Who's your GOAT? 
And then who is your top five? Well, I switched it. And the greatest of all time for me is I have a top three. Okay. Okay. But I'll start off with this. The best player in the 60s was Will Chamberlain. In the 70s, it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In the 80s, Bird Magic. 90s, Jordan. 2000s, Kobe Bryant. Now, Kevin Durant. Okay. Um, my top three is Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Kevin Durant. I okay. think I think they separate themselves from the pack in terms of their ability once they have enough to win. See, I, you know, Virgil Phillips used to say, he's um, from Reach, uh, one of my coaches when I was a kid. Shout out to Virg. He said, when you have a great team, you're not judged on the regular teams, regular games. You're judged about when you play teams that are similar to you. So I judge guys when you have enough. Well, Michael Jordan had a championship caliber team, I think about seven times. 89, they was a six seed. 90, they was a two seed. And um, they lost in seven games. And after that, they, they won six on the finals. So that's how I gauge it. Sure. Kobe Bryant became a starter in 99. So if you want to say 99 and then 2000, then the injuries in 2003 and 2004, they went, what, three and two? Right. And then he won three. And then he had a championship team three times after that, and he went two and one. So he won more when he had enough. So I'm just using them for an example. So when I use my top players of all time, and it's just mine. Absolutely. Because um, I'm going to get mine. Right. You know. So my three is Michael, Kobe, Durant. Okay. And then the the, the the final two is Magic and Will. Okay. Mine, Kareem, Magic, the big O, Jordan, and you can flip a coin between Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. I respect it. You know, um, for me, the big O, he was Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook. People don't understand that he averaged a triple-double on several occasions. And so we take it for granted because Russ is doing it so consistently now. Right. At how hard it is to get a triple-double. Oh, no question. And for the big O, he averaged a triple-double before it was popular. Right. If he was playing in this era, to me. Right. Um, he'd be all over Sports Center with the Big O's got another triple double. Right. But if it wasn't for the Big O, Russ wouldn't get so much attention about getting. I agree. The triple doubles. Back thing. to what we said. That's why, as I get older, you when you have the conversation about who's the greatest, it's kind of disrespectful to each era, because. Certain guys never play with each other because if we hit the rewind button, then everybody playing right now are better than the guys in the 60s. Right. Because just from the nutrition, the technology, and so forth like that. Bigger, stronger, faster. So what I try to do is focus on what were you amongst your peers. peers. Right. Absolutely. You know? And we get into the, the high school player here and what I think about Mellow Ball in the future. So for me, that's how I look at it. Now, if you have a, if you look at it, if so, you got some people that look at the sheet of paper, 
right. and it's okay. Right. If that's that's what you feel, that's fine. But for me, I judge greatness. Great is great. Right. Now, top 10, top 15, top 20, they really are interchangeable if you want the truth. Absolutely. Like, seriously. But for me, it's the moment matters more than anything. So I give you a moment with Jordan. And this is no Google. I remember this. Jordan threw chair in the history of team sports when he he felt the NBA had disrespected the Pistons and he walked the team off the court. I didn't as a kid I didn't understand it, but I respect it more today. Um Jordan had a moment. You know, when they won in ninety one, you you saw the the energy that he had. He was like, Man, we won, he was crying and all that. Ninety two is more like a relief. Right. Ninety three the conversation was Barkley had won the MVP. They would say Barkley was the best at, at, at uh, Barcelona, and the Bulls didn't have home court advantage. That's right. when home court advantage really mattered. The Bulls won like 55 games. I think um, Phoenix had over 63 wins or something like that, 62. And Chicago goes in to Phoenix and win the first two games. Right. You know, Jordan averaged 41 a game. He sent the message. Right. And he didn't pack bags, and they won game six. Right. Jordan retires, come back. They lose to uh, Orlando in the second round in 95. But the the interesting piece of the competitive nature of Michael Jordan that I remember was the 45 turns into the 23 and the Pat Leather Jordans. He had 40-something. They ended up losing the series. But then he said, I got to get in the gym. Right. And he set the tone. They won three in a row again. Same thing with I look at Kobe Bryant. Um playing with Shaquille O'Neal, the moments. The 21-year-old kid had more points, had more rebounds, had more assists, had more steals than anybody on the Los Angeles Lakers in Game 7 against Portland. But nobody ever talks about that. Right, right. They they come up with this fake narrative that Shaq carried Kobe Bryant. You know, and I think they last 18 playoff series together. Kobe led the team in scoring right. nine times. Shaq led it nine times. They both went eight and one. The one loss came to San Antonio, 03, and the other loss came to 04 Pistons. Right. So they had balance. Yeah. So that's really about it. Okay. All right. Well, before I get to the next question, the reason why I flipped the coin on Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain mm-hmm. is because clearly Wilt was a phenomenal athlete. Right. But, and the, the 100 points is no joke, something that's never been done. But Bill Russell won the most. Right. But it was a different era because you could stack your team more because the teams that had the most money had the, had the most players. Right. And they were, there were less teams in the league too. So he won more as a product of Red Allback being able to spend the money. See, when it comes to centers, centers, somebody has to get you the ball. Absolutely. So I'm taking 50 and 20 over any Big ever. It's just that simple. Yeah. When you a small forward, a guard, you dictating a team, it's different on how you evaluate it. Like Tim Duncan's not better than Kevin Garnett to me. And sometimes you able to dissect the game. Going back to I said the surface talk, Duncan had more teams that were good enough to win the championship. When Garnett and Duncan had comparable teams, we witnessed it in 2008. 
the Spurs were the defending NBA champions, and they played at Kobe Bryant and Paul Gasol. The Spurs couldn't defend the pick and roll. Had a, They were similar teams. KG was the difference in that series because of his ability on the defensive side. Okay. So when it comes to Russell and Chamberlain, even when I go back and listen to the tapes and everything like that, Russell was very proud that his team won, but he acknowledged that he couldn't stop Wilt. Wilt was the only person to ever block the hook shot, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Like, Wilt. Kareem, Kareem came in Kareem came into the NBA and LeBron came into the NBA and and Roger Federer came into tennis when it was doing this, was ascending down. Yeah. And they was able to cultivate some things, which is not bad. It's time like outliers. Michael Gladwell, the book, great book. Um, that's not taken away from them or nothing like that, but that's going deep into the conversation. Absolutely. So, like I said, it's a preference thing more so than, oh, this person is not great. Absolutely. Like Larry Bird and Kevin Durant are the best small force to me. They 6'10", 7 foot, and I don't need a facilitator on my team. Right. When I got Michael and Kobe Bryant. Right. You know, so right. I can, they can bring the ball up. Right. So that's all you're doing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question. The best games you've seen in person, live? Uh, NBA or just anything? Uh, well, we're going to get into Detroit later. Okay. That, the next part of it is is the PSL, the, the, your, your top okay. PSL. But but uh, best games you've seen live, it doesn't necessarily have to be the, in a, uh, the NBA. It could be football. It could right. be baseball. I've seen live. I tell you, well, I was at the closeout game for the um, San Francisco Giants beating the Tigers. That wasn't a good game. I mean, been a lot of NBA games. This is crazy. Michael Jordan would probably never admit this. I was in D.C. for the Wizards Hornets game, right? So, you know how you on the back, I mean, the bleachers part when Jordan and Chris Whitney was coming out. Now, if this was social media, I still had the footage because I would have had the phone going and everything. So I say, hey, Mike, you need to play like Kobe tonight. He looks up. Now, obviously, he didn't know it was me or nothing like that or whatever the case may be. So that's the night Jordan had 51 okay. in Washington. So when the game uh, comes out, at the end of the game, Jordan looks up in the same area and did a little smirk. <laughs> like, now, I'm not saying it was directed at me because obviously he didn't know I said it. But it just goes to show you. The competitiveness of Michael Jordan. Oh, absolutely. And I was able to, I was in the building to witness it. Right. So I don't think nothing tops that for me. Okay. Nothing. Okay. That right there, as far as uh, NBA, okay. it's pro. Okay. I don't get no better than that. Okay. Now, All if right. you're talking about television, what's the game that I, that stands out the most, then I got, I mean, I got a ton of those. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all do. That's why I wanted to narrow it down to the games you've right. seen live. Okay. So for me, Mine is game one of the NBA finals in 1989. Okay. Um, the Eastern Conference finals in 1989. Okay. When they played Jordan. Um, Bradley versus UAD when Hershey Hawkins hit 63 and Archie Tullis scored 49. Sweet. Uh, the Duke Butler National Championship game in Indianapolis when, um, 
Hayward missed the shot. Hayward missed the, the shot, hit the back of the iron. Had a good look. Had a great look. <laughs> but but to be in the building that day What's because, the you know, you're talking about Butler that, that is 10 minutes away from Indianapolis. Everybody in there was rooting for Indianapolis. Was, for, for was rooting for Butler. I, you know what? I, I, I tell you one. It was a moment when the game. I was actually right there when Charles Wilson caught the one handed catch. Okay. Okay. I was real close. Yeah. So, but the game, it was right. Know, I was right. at the game when Ori hit the shot over the Pistons. But I'm talking about the Jordan thing stands out more so because I was trolling Jordan. Right. So, of course. Of course. So that was. I thought that was pretty cool. And then for me, the other one is Barry Sanders. The day that he hit two thousand yards, I was there. It was nice. Know, yeah, that yeah. was nice. You know. Yeah. So, all right. Next subject. Best games in PSL that you've seen live? Whew. Games or performance? Because I have a ton of performances. Well, you can you can mention some performances oh, because me, cause I'm just, gonna mention a couple performances too. Well, this is another part of my on where I well, a lot of folks don't know. I was the kid at the PSL championship game. Absolutely, I was the kid. My grandmother worked security for uh, DPS. So I would go to all the championship games. So when folks get to run their mouth, I was in the building. I remember I had to give a couple of uh, stories. Uh, I was real young when, when D.C. won in 86. But right. I'm going to tell you the ones that I really, really zoomed in on. That um, I remember Carlos Rogers for Persia. Pre-game, white, uh, the, the uniforms of Dope Boys, they undefeated. And he get this big trophy. Yeah. You know, Mr. PSL. I think he was the first winner of Mr. PSL, if I'm not mistaken. That might be correct. You know, they give him the big trophy. And Cooley had a kid with a a short arm. Yeah. And they beat him. Yeah. I remember that. Like, I was like, wow, they beat them. Couldn't believe that. Like, this is crazy. You know, we like, we from the neighborhood. Like, this ain't about to happen. Then the following year, when, um, no. That wasn't that year. That was 92. 93 is when he got the trophy in cast with Derek Dowling and beat him. Yes. And then the 94 championship game, Robert Trailer uh, and Murray Wright, Trailer was under the basket. Every time we under the basket, and Trailer is making comments that I won't say on the podcast, like, you know, this is my house and this, that. I mean, they was just. <laughs> right. I mean, Trailer was just like an Amazon to yeah. us when we were kids. Yeah. Like, man, this is crazy. Man against boys. Right. So that them three stand out to me in terms of um, the games that I really oh in Persian beating Cooley in '95. Winford Walton. When Winford Walton came on a three on, three on one break and shot the three. That was ridiculous. Okay. Okay. You know, but I saw some Southwestern teams with Jalen Rose. Absolutely. I was, at, I was at the game when uh, Northern won the first game of the season. The year. Yes. Yeah. The senior year, I was there. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you mine. Um, Kettering Southwestern in the Christ, Christmas tournament in 83. Okay. The judge against the Supreme Court. Sweet. Um, the same one you picked, uh, the Cavs Pershing in 93. That was crazy. Yeah, it was. That that was that was a shocker. Um, Cavs Central in the PSL final in 98. Oh, that was my senior year. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, okay. All right. All right. I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. no, it's cool. It's cool. We, I'm we, sorry about all that. About us, you know, cool. It break, break, break. I didn't want to bring that. Uh, I, I hear you. They missed uh, Central missed the free throws. I remember that. Like, yes. They yes. Smoke went down the baseline. Smoke. Yeah. They got the layup. They, oh, they cast put on the show. Yeah. Credit to it them. Was, it was a great game. 
But they also great. have played them twice real close. Oh, yeah. Earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. People don't under, really, like, get that. Oh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You know, you know we actually lost the Central three times in 98. Yeah. That was okay. crazy. Yeah. Um, the Cass Catholic Central Regional Final, which was 116 to 115. I heard about that. I wasn't there. Oh, man, it's phenomenal. Game. Yeah, I heard that was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It went back and forth the entire game. Um, and it was you could feel you could feel the intensity the entire game. Right. But performances, though, for me, um, phew, you got to be many hairs. All right. Well, I'm gonna give you two of my best performances because because my, my next my, my next game was a girls game. Okay. Uh, Murray Wright and King with Marquita Aldrich against Lori Aaron. Okay. They both had close to fifty. Whoa. And the game was ridiculous for a girls game. It was probably the best girls game that I have ever seen. You're talking about two two pros. Because Lori Arian took her team to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Marquita Aldridge played in WNBA. You, you're seeing pros at the high school level in that game. Yeah, I got a few. And it was, and it was heated. The second, the second performance that I saw, and I witnessed it because I was playing on the other side. Which one? Was Steve Smith against us at wow. Mumford. Wow. His career high. That's called. 46. 15 and 12. Wow. He caught a tip dunk off the square. Comes off the back rim, goes all the way to the top of the square, and he nails it. It's so many good ones. If you, you The know. one with Manny is obviously, I mean, and he had 350s back to back. I, I mean, I was on the bench when it happened, but uh, he, averaged, he had a 52 and 27 rebounds against Henry Ford. Yeah. But the K field against Monte Morris, oh my God, that was ridiculous. Yes, another phenomenal game. Um, Applin, Keith Applin against yeah. uh, in the state championship game. Um, against I think they played Commons with Central. We had the um, forty nine. Right. That was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. So, oh, the Rashad Phillips uh, went for Walton game. Persian against yes. Ferndale. Yes, that was crazy. Yes, um, it's been some. It's been some good ones. Um, it's so many of them. Oh, I've seen so many, so many games. I mean, I, I, we talk about heartbreakers too. I was in the cup of the building for a few of those too. Yeah, um, it's just it's like like I said, the moments is what stand out, right? In sports, I more mean, than anything, the the moment with you know the Renaissance team with with Joe and Malik. Oh, that was ridiculous. And Marcus Stout. Oh, that was ridiculous. That they, was, they packed Kobo. Oh, they oh that was just dumb. I mean, they just dominated though. Yeah, that was just. Oh yeah, they man they, among they, boys. They, they dominated them. They, but but I knew that I knew that they were going to win it all that season because I saw them play. I saw one game at Saint Cecilia that summer. Right. Renaissance played Refford. And no contest. No, Renaissance. I mean, Refford tried to punk them. Okay. And. Malik and and Joe stood up to him face to face, right, and went at him. And I in that moment, and I was in the summer. In that moment, I said they ready. Oh no, when they they had no business losing to Crockett. Uh, Murray did an outstanding job putting the three two zone on them the year before at Kellan. Yeah, yes, sir. I I knew when nobody gonna beat them. They 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 was just a man among boys. It was just a cheat right. code. They were right. grown men in high school. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. All right, well. 
We're going to have to sign off real soon. Okay. Real quickly, Lions this year. Give me your take. Who? The Lions. Who? Oh, okay. Go ahead. The, the Lions, Tigers, the Cubs, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it's a bad organization. Okay. And so, so, and I believe it starts from the top. And they need to do some changes. I just don't see them ever being that good to me. All right. Okay. I could be wrong, though. No. No. Yeah, you about right to me. <laughs> you know. So, all right. So, let's we're going to get out of here. Give me your final thoughts on everything that we talked about today and anything else you want to say. Real I quick. just want to thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, hey, I like your show. And keep doing your thing. Hey, I'm going to do what I do. As we leave Beyond the Headlines this week, I want to give you, as we always do, an inspirational quote that you can ponder this week. This one is from Dr. Benjamin E. Mays, the former president of Morehouse College. It must be borne in mind that the tragedy of life does not lie in reaching your goal. The tragedy of life lies in having no goal to reach. Until next time. We'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.